Welcome to Boca Live, Boca Raton Magazine's first and only podcast, where you'll hear all about what to do, where to go, the best eats, and more in South Florida. Each week, you'll hear from us, the editors of Boca Mag, while we chat with the who's who of Boca and beyond about everything from wacky Florida stories to the hottest chefs to the biggest events. We're here and we're Boca, live. But at some point, you lose control of, of everything. And, you know, I understand when I drive down Atlantic Avenue or I go down Broward Boulevard to my restaurant in Fort Lauderdale and I see all the homeless people, I say, but, but for the grace of God, there goes I. Um, because I've been there and I know what they're going through and I know that it's not easy to turn around and say, you know what, I'm not going to be homeless today. I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to get off of drugs. Because once you're in the grips, yeah, there could have been ways of not getting in the grips. People could say that, but... Um, you know, walk a mile in my shoes or walk a mile in their shoes one day. And my name is Allison Lewis, Boca Magazine's associate editor and your host for today's episode. For many in our community, addiction is an oppressive cycle that is hard to break. Individuals suffer physically, mentally, and spiritually. Life begins to spiral out of control. There's potential for an overdose or even death. But there's hope. Recovery is possible. Just ask Louis Bassi, the chef and partner behind Big Time Restaurant Group's culinary project of the same name. Although Bossy is busy running two, soon to be three, Louis Bossy restaurants throughout South Florida and raising his family, he spent the better part of 25 years as an addict on the streets of New York and New Jersey. He's experienced firsthand what it's like to be homeless, to have an overdose, to feel lost. He understands recovery too. When Louis entered a 12-step program in Delray Beach years ago, he had no idea the life, love, and happiness it would bring. He didn't know that cooking for siblings growing up would turn into a profitable Italian restaurant chain or that he would be traveling the world and going to pizza expos. But that's only a sliver of Louis's life today. He sat down with me to share a story of addiction and recovery. Can you just tell me a little bit um, about your childhood growing up, what it was like? Uh, yeah, so I grew up in uh, New York City, uh, and then moved to New Jersey uh, when I was 11. Uh, didn't have much of a problem with drugs and alcohol until I was in my late teens, early 20s. My father left when I was seven, so that really devastated our family uh, growing up. Uh, my mother worked three jobs. She was never around, so it was kind of issues that I had that I, did, that I know of today that I didn't know of back then, um, that I was growing up with some abandonment issues and fears and uh, low self-esteem. So when drugs came along, uh, it was kind of like... Uh, saving grace for me at the time. Uh, it was a solution at one time, uh, early in my teens, uh, and then it turned on me mid-20s, you know, when I got addicted to it. Started to reap the, <laughs> the uh, consequences of drug and alcohol use. Um, jails, institutions, um, and then I found myself at 26 or 27 years old being homeless uh, from drugs and alcohol. Uh, it took me, you know, it's a very difficult battle, not only physically, but mentally and spiritually. It, it uh, rips, takes a grip of you, especially spiritually. Um, it's uh, people, you know, I, I've always heard people say, ah, they, get, they need to get a job, you know, whatever, the homeless people. Uh, they don't realize the mental effect and um, 
physical and the spiritual effect that it has on it's threefold you know and uh it's very difficult once you're in that frame of mind to 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 get out of the grips of addiction you know you know drugs and alcohol are a symptom just a symptom of what's really going on you know my this is all my opinion uh and you get caught up in that and and i think that you're childhood and and things that have happened to you in your life traumas and stuff play a part in that uh continue to influence uh what's going on you know and then you know there uh thank god there's a way out you know and i found that through a 12-step program uh working on myself and working with others the key to sobriety uh is to continue to maintain it is one and to give back um if you're not helping another alcoholic and a drug addict then you're really not reaping the benefits of what life has for you because i, I believe uh, this is my journey and this is what i was meant to do um and giving back is something i really enjoy when you can save help save a life it's there's nothing like that you know you can donate all the money in the world you can do all kinds of things but when you help save a life you know, one life, it's, it's, uh, it's a big accomplishment. Can you kind of walk me through, Louis, pre-sobriety, what was, what was a day in the life when you were experiencing, you mentioned earlier, it was like a mental, emotional, spiritual kind of grip? You know, a day in the life of a drug addict would be, um, it's torture. It's, it's pure mental, physical, spiritual torture. And I use those three sayings all the time because that's what I experienced. You know, the physical pain of being addicted to opiates and drugs, um, the mental anguish and torment, and you know, and then the spiritual part of you know being you're alone. You know, if you if your religion or your your higher power or whatever it is, you don't have any of that. So you know, you're 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 faced with this world, and 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 if you're homeless, it's you know, it's pretty much you're like right at the end. You know, what's the next step here? I, I remember uh, I was living in the streets in uh, Newark, New Jersey, which is one of the worst neighborhoods in uh, all of New Jersey. <laughs> Probably, if not on the top 10 in the United States uh, for crime and murder and drugs and alcohol. It's just where my addiction brought me. Uh, and I remember standing there and um, I had built a makeshift shelter out of a out of um pallets and an old carpet and it was on the side of a railroad track and i remember sitting there one day and, and saying to myself that you know this is all that life had had to offer for me this was it you know i was in the, i was at that point of uh you know my life was coming to an end quick i knew that my days were numbered you know you wake up in the morning and your first thing is how do i get drugs uh, not only for the physical addiction but the mental and spiritual you don't want to feel anything you don't want to feel the depression you don't want to feel the pain you don't want to feel the worries and fears and all that you just want to be numb that's what where the this that's where the addiction takes in and, and it's like uh, a hamster wheel just around and around it's and then you know you get high or whatever it is and then you know the the lie that the drug tells you is okay tomorrow's going to be better we're going to get in that treatment center or i'm going to make that phone call 
or uh, I'm going to go to the homeless shelter, I'm going to get off the streets, I'm not going to steal. You know, and stealing becomes a part of drug addiction. Um, you have, you know, if you're homeless, you got to eat. Uh, you have to uh, get your drugs. So, you know, there's all, thousands of ways to, to, you know, crime becomes a part of uh, drug addiction. I, I was, you know, um, what they call shoplifting. That was, thank God, was the extent of my criminal history. Um, stealing, I, I, I would steal cigarettes and sell them uh, on the streets or the bodegas. So I'd steal cartons of cigarettes. And, you know, nowadays, I don't know how they do it because, you know, the security systems are a lot more advanced back when I was, you know, doing it. Uh, and then, you know, you're, now you're risking the chance of going to jail and I was uh, arrested twice for shoplifting and I truly believe both of those times saved my life because it took me off the streets and ironically the where I was arrested the judge um, didn't play games with that because I guess everybody was doing it so he wanted to make examples out of these people to stop shoplifting in you know in his area so it was an automatic uh, three months in jail for wow. one shoplifting. It could be a pack of, if you got charged with shoplifting, a pack of cigarettes or 30 packs, you were still gonna, you're gonna do 90 day, uh, 30 days, yeah, 90 days in jail. And you know, I was like, whoa. And uh, going to jail in Newark, New Jersey is uh, <laughs> quite the adventure, I would say. Um, so I, I, I believe at the time, you know, I look back now, thank God I did get uh, caught and did get the three months to recuperate, to get healthy again, only to return to active addiction when I got out because I was still in the grips of it. Um, it takes a spiritual awakening, uh, in my opinion. It takes, it takes what it takes. People ask, well, what did you do? How did you do it? It, it? it takes what it takes. Um, getting back to a day in a life and a drug addict, um, it's just a never-ending cycle. It's just, it's just, it's torture. It really is. It's, it's, a, it's a form of torture to thy own self. <laughs> um, we inflict the pain on ourselves and we um, cause the problems. Uh, but at some point you lose control of, of everything. And, you know, I understand when I drive down Atlantic Avenue or I go down Broward Boulevard to my restaurant in Fort Lauderdale and I see all the homeless people. I say, but, but for the grace of God, there goes I, um, because I've been there and I know what they're going through. And I know that it's not easy to turn around and say, you know what, I'm not going to be homeless today. I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to get off for drugs. Because once you're in the grips, yeah, there could have been ways of not getting in the grips. People could say that, but, um, you know, walk a mile in my shoes or walk a mile in their shoes one mm -hmm. day. And you, you just... You don't know what these people are going through. And, uh, you know, there needs to be more help and uh, there needs to be more awareness of uh, everywhere. It's just, it's just everywhere. I mean, you could, can you stop the flow of drugs of coming into the United States? Can you, you know, probably not. Will they ever be able to do it? Probably not. Will we, is there more help available? Yes, maybe we can get more help available to these people. Um, can you tell me, you mentioned you've had an overdose or maybe yeah. multiple. Can you just tell me about one, what happened during the Yeah, that experience? was, uh, I remember getting my drugs and I remember 
walking down to get on the subway and the drugs hadn't hit me yet, but the train pulled up and there was a lot of people on the f first couple of cars or the middle cars, so I said, I'm just gonna go on the end car because it was only one person on there. I walked over there and got on that car. And there was one black kid sitting there on, in the train and I sat down and uh, I was on 110th Street uh, and I woke up on 54th Street and the paramedics had, you know, were, had me out on the platform and said I had overdosed and that, thank God, because when they found me I was blue and they, I said, well, what happened? They said, well, the young man that was on the train got up and walked seven subway cars and told the conductor that you were dying in the back. So if he didn't get up and walk to that conductor, I, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. And, you know, I think about that kid and who he was, and if I could ever meet him, that would be so awesome. Um, but, you know, that's not, but, yeah, that was my uh, near-death experience. You know, I was... I had a, actually had a blue jacket on, probably the color of that picture over there, and my wow. face, this is what they told me. And uh, they asked me what I did, and I was honest with them, and they said, you know, you're very lucky. Eight people have died in the last two days from the same thing you did. Yeah. Uh, did you move to Florida hoping to, like, for a fresh start, or? Yeah, uh, my sister who passed away had moved down here first. Um, and I used to come down and visit her, you know, and I thought it was paradise. Then the heat would set in and, you know, then reality would set in and it was, you know, th it was too slow for me. This, um, this is back in the late eighties, early nineties when I was coming down here and, uh, you know, being from the inner city and New York city, it was just fast paced up there. Uh, drugs were everywhere up there. So I couldn't find it down here at the time. So back and forth, back and forth. So I always knew about Florida, that my mother had moved down here and my brother had moved. So it was kind of like the last place on the block for me to go, because um, I had burnt all my bridges up north and uh, came down here after I got out of the jail for the last time and uh, made a life down here. And then that's when I was introduced to recovery. Did you use a specific program down here? 12-step. Uh, 12-step. 12 yeah, 12-step program. Um, I actually went to um, the place I still go to many years ago. It was 20 years ago, I believe, Crossroads. Uh, it's Crossroads has been around 35, 36 years this year. Um, great place. Saved my life. Um, so that's where I started and uh, met my wife there. That was uh, almost 20 years ago. We just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> was there ever a point, uh, I guess, when you were, um, before you were um, in, this, in the recovery program, that you thought, I have, to, I have to change my life, or I at least have to die trying. Like, I just, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is the end, I, I have to make a change. Yeah, not not in the beginning. Uh, it's when I had kids is when it really hit home. Uh, now I was starting. You know, now I'm affecting not only my life. Now I'm now I'm gonna destroy. I'm gonna do exactly what happened to me. You know, there's an old saying: the victim becomes the perpetrator. Um, 
and nine times out of ten, if you see that in people, you'll see that you know they carry what the, the pain and the guilt and the trauma that happened to them into their adulthood and, and kind of pass it down. So, you know, I was in a really tough spot, you know, and I still fight to this day to break those chains uh, and those family generation curses of, you know, family generations of, you know, you know, my son right now is, uh, he just turned 17 yesterday and he's uh, getting ready to uh, go be a senior and he will, will be, uh, I'm staying confident with that, the first bossy to graduate high school in I don't know how many generations back, um, which is a great thing. And he's probably going to be the first one in our entire family to go to college. Uh, he better because it's prepaid. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, you know, drugs and alcohol for me at one point were a solution from the fears and, and abandonment issues and pain that I was growing up with. When I took my first drink, it was, whew, it was unbelievable. You know, I never forget that, 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 that first day I took a drink and the, the comfort and all of the fears and stuff just left. And the next day I was like, whoa, where's, let's do this again. And some of my friends were like, no, that was just Friday night we did that. We're not, we're not going to do it again. I'm like, what do you mean we're not going to do it again? And that's where, you know, a lot of my friends went off to college and had successful careers and lives. A lot of them went to jail. A lot of them went to the cemetery. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, I just continue to do that, you know. So, you know, I have a lot of experience and a lot to look back on. You know, I have a, I always share with people and younger people that, you know, if you don't like, if you don't think this works or you think this is stupid, you know, I tell them there's a cemetery full of my friends that would love to be where you are right now, given an opportunity to stay alive and change their life. They didn't get that opportunity. You know, I have today, I have this hour right now. I don't know what's going to happen three hours from now. I can say I'm pretty well off. I went to a meeting this morning. Uh, I talked to my sponsor. I talked to my people in my life that are in recovery or not, but are good people. Uh, I don't hang around thieves and drug addicts um, that are using. I don't hang around bad people. Uh, I choose wisely. I have a choice today who to hang out with and who not to. Uh, I mainly spend time with my family and my businesses and working and uh, enjoying life. You know, I missed out on a lot of years of my life, 22 years of my life I missed out on. And I missed out on my whole childhood too because of my broken home. But like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm living it today, you know, with my kids, through my kids. I'm able to experience my childhood through them, which is unbelievable. It's amazing. Did you ever dream of owning a restaurant or were you just looking for a, a job in the restaurant industry or how did that come about? Good question. I, um, I'm a big dreamer, yeah. big dreamer. I mean, that's all I had growing up was dreams. Um, uh, yeah, it was a funny story. I, I, I never forget about 19 years ago, 18 years ago, I was, I don't know where it was, if it was a Walmart or a Target. And I was in the kitchen department looking at plates, dreaming of wow, this would look cool. And my wife was somewhere else, or my girlfriend at the time, and she came walking up. She goes, what are you doing? She goes, we don't need plates. I said, no, no, I'm looking at these plates for, for my, my restaurant someday. She goes, what are you, crazy? 
<laughs> you know, and then I'll never forget the day that uh, my partners um, made me a partner and named the restaurant. I called her up <laughs> and I told her about that story. I said, remember those plates that you told me I was crazy? I said, we're going to need them. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the third location for Louis Bassi is supposed to open in a year? Yeah, Delray Beach, right down in the heart of Atlantic Avenue. Uh, which is awesome because that's where I started. I opened uh, City Oyster there, which ironically is at its best right now. 18 years later, almost 19 years later, it's remarkable for a restaurant uh, that long, success. Uh, 32 East is where we're gonna be taking over, which had an amazing run. I think they were there 25 years. I'm not even, not even sure. Which a while. Is, which is awesome. Um, so it gives me hope too, you know, that, you know, there's longevity on Atlantic Avenue and, uh, you know, it's, I mean, there's a lot more restaurants now, mm -hmm. but um, I think it's uh, a great location. I think it's a great city. Delray Beach is my favorite of Florida, and without a doubt. It's a big recovery community. It's also a big relapse and overdose community. So it's where my heart is. Um, Crossroads Club, which I'm a member of, is in Delray Beach. So <coughs> a lot of uh, my mother lives in Delray Beach, uh, my brother, my sister. So Delray Beach has been in my life for a while now. So yeah, so we started, so I, I, I came up with the idea to, and the name just came out. It was, you know, like it was destined to be that name, Taste of Recovery, you know, taste with the food and, you know, recovery. and. Um, we started uh, putting it together and, you know, we needed, it started off small and then it got bigger and bigger and then it was huge and I was like, oh my God, how much money did, are we spending on it? We're, you know, we're spending upwards to $30,000 on an event, hoping to recoup that and then make some money for the fundraiser. That's what it was all about and I was panicking and... Uh, you know, we were truly blessed, you know, again, people stepped up and made some large donations. We ended up uh, $100,000 wow. first year. You know, we were able to, um, now Crossroads is a clubhouse which, which provides these meetings. That has to be funded. That has to pay rent. That has to pay electric bills. That has to pay employees. Um, Insure on and on and on to own, you know, owning and operating or whatever. So we wanted to raise money for that to keep that open because you know, the the money's not flowing in. Um, what's like the biggest takeaway you would tell someone that's looking for maybe a place like Crossroads or just looking for help or what would you say to them having having been there and and just. I would changed. I would say that you know first and foremost it takes a lot of courage. Uh, don't be afraid. You know take that risk. You know the bigger the risk, the the bigger the payoff. Uh, is my opinion. You know take that risk. Go in there, put your hand up, and say I need help. Um, and the door is always open. That's what I love about Crossroads and any any kind of clubhouse or twelve step program. You know the doors are open and you know. Uh, there's meetings from 7 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, all day long, seven days a week. Um, so you could always find a meeting f that fits your schedule. Uh, 
If you're new and you don't have a job, I, I recommend you go to as many meetings as you can throughout the day. Continue to stay involved in it. Um, but most importantly, you're not, you know, you're not alone. You have to reach, you have to let people know that you're there and you need help. Well, thanks so much for your time. Well, thank you. We really appreciate awesome. it. Thank so. you. This has been Boca Live. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to Boca Live through the Apple Store and listen to episodes online at bocamag.com.